this happens to anybody else. I'm assuming it does happen to other people, but I was driving around today and a random name of a former sports player just popped into my noggin, just popped in there. Don't know where it came from. I uh, could not put my finger on why I thought of this person, but it was random. And I thought, oh, I got to jot that down to see if anybody else has this happen to them. But mine today, the one that popped into my mind today, for whatever reason, was Matt Adams. I don't know if you guys remember Matt Adams. He played for the Cardinals for a little bit. He's a bigger dude, kind of the 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 original Daniel Vogelbaugh, if you know what I'm talking about. He was a bigger dude, played first base uh, for the Cardinals for a little bit, and he kind of bounced around the league. Didn't do a whole lot in terms of consistency, but he had a couple big hits with the Cardinals, if I remember correctly, uh, for a little bit there back in the like early 2010s, 20-teens or something like that. And then he bounced around. He landed up, I think he ended up on like the Nationals when they won the World Series or something like that. Uh, but he didn't play that much with them in the World Series or during that playoff run, but he was there. I mean, he won a World Series ring, and that was just a name that popped into my head. I remember him having some pretty big hits for the Cardinals during those postseason runs, like in the in the early 20-teens, like 2013 through 2015 or something like that. And uh, yeah, that was just something that popped in my I want to know if that ever happens to you. I bet it does because it's normal. It's like one of those things that happens like it feels like your life is flashing before your eyes but it's just a random person that's popping into your head. That's what happened to me today with Matt Adams. Just popped in there. Don't know why I thought of him. I can't even remember what I was thinking about when his name just popped into my head. Uh, but Matt Adams was somebody that I was thinking about today, and I don't know how many people can really say that. I'm, I'm curious to see how many people were thinking about Matt Adams, the former first baseman for the Cardinals, the Nationals. I think he played for the Mets at some point. Uh, it just popped in there, and I'm, I'm curious to see how many people were thinking about Matt Adams at the same time that I was, or somebody else random, just a random player uh, uh, in any sport uh, of, you know, somebody that's not necessarily the greatest in the world at that sport, but just somebody that randomly played that you can remember kind of just off the top of your head, just like Matt Adams, a big old lefty uh, that had a couple of big hits in his time with St. Louis uh, and with the Mets as well. So that's how I wanted to intro. I just wanted to give you a, a little peek into the old noggin of James when he's just driving around the Sheridan area, not thinking about anything, but then all of a sudden Matt Adams just creeps in there. That's what happened to me today. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the show, Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast. It's snowy outside, presented by Jack and Kathleen Wood. It is ugly outside. Opening day for baseball is literally two days away, and we got like a couple inches of snow last night. I love it here in Sheridan. I mean, man, it feels like spring outside, doesn't it? Definitely. There's definitely, I can see the leaves starting to grow back. This is all sarcasm, by the way. I can see the the leaves growing back and all the trees and everything. It feels like baseball weather. Just kidding. Uh, we got like six to eight inches of snow last night or something like that. I've got snow if I go out in my front yard. If I'm walking in my front yard, the snow literally goes up to like like lower thigh. And I'm like, I could play catch in this, you know? Just awful. I'm I'm going to be watching the Red Sox on opening day on Thursday, and there is going to be snow outside my window. And that I don't like that feeling. That's a tough feeling. I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, welcome to the show. We're going to talk a little bit about opening day. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to have a little 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 preview for uh, some of the teams throughout the baseball throughout the baseball world. Uh, it's going to be a quick preview. We're going to kind of lightning through it. I'm only going to talk about I think the teams that are. Uh, best set up to win their respected division. So we'll get into that in a little bit. Not, uh, you know, not breaking down the athletics or anything like that. Absolutely not. I think that uh, I don't know if that team should be shown on national television, to be honest with you. Uh, so we're not going to break them down. Just sorry about that. If you're an athletics fan, I apologize. But I mean, really, 
I, you, there's no way you're disagreeing with me if you're an athletics fan. There is no way. So we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about uh, MLB as it uh, quickly quickly comes to us with opening day coming up on Thursday. Uh, but first, I want to start with um, Lamar Jackson. Some of the stuff that's going around with Lamar Jackson over this past weekend, these past couple of days as well. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he is um, technically a free agent. I think if that if I, the the football free agency is always weird. I think he's a restricted free agent, if I remember correctly. So he's under contract. I think they tagged him, if I remember right. If they they franchise tagged him, he's on a one year like thirty two million dollar deal or something like that on his franchise tag. And uh, I believe with it being restricted. Uh, he can be signed to the deal to a deal from another team and the Ravens can match it essentially and he'll end up going back to the Ravens. Uh, and I am stunned at how poorly the Ravens have handled this entire situation with Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. I get that a lot of people are not willing to put down the money on Lamar Jackson. Um with his injury concerns, he hasn't had the most stellar season since his uh, MVP season, but he's still a very good quarterback. I mean, he changes the dynamic of that team when he is on the field. If Lamar Jackson plays in that Bengals game during the playoffs and it's not Tyler Huntley, they're winning that game. I mean, they win that game. That mistake doesn't happen with Tyler Huntley. And we're talking about the Ravens making it to uh, at the very least the divisional round. Was that the divisional round? I think it was the divisional round um, making it to the divisional round instead of the Bengals who end up going on and playing in the AFC championship game. That's what we're talking about instead of uh, instead of you know the instead of where we're at with uh, with the Bengals making it, so I, I think there is an interesting argument that's being made about Lamar Jackson and how what he deserves in this situation. There's a lot of uh, you know questions talking about Deshaun Watson, who got his like five year, two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed contract, and he, of course thinking he is the best in the world at what he does, which is literally every single quarterback at that or every single athlete at their position in that game thinks that same way because that's the mentality you have to have in order to play at that level uh, is asking for more than that, which is understandable. You're talking about a guy that won an MVP uh, is coming off two years ago, his MVP season. He is still, he has been injury riddled, which is understand uh, understandable to press the brakes on. Uh, but also, if you're the Ravens, I mean, well, first off, I guess Jackson, let, let's start with Jackson requesting a trade on March 2nd from the Ravens after uh, the contract situation stalled between them. And if you're the Ravens, I'm just, I don't understand why you're not making this, I mean, just sign, I would say just sign them at this point. I guess they're they're letting the open market kind of determine whether they believe that he is worth uh, the $230 million plus guaranteed that he is expecting to get. And if I'm any of the other teams, I am throwing my hat in the ring. I don't think anybody's willing to do it because they think the Ravens will match whatever they put out there, unless it's something absurd. But I don't think there's going to be anything from any of the other teams that's going to be absolutely absurd where the Ravens wouldn't match it. If they if somebody comes out and says, yeah, $250 million guaranteed, I, I would be stunned if the Ravens didn't match that just to try to keep Lamar Jackson. But if that's the situation, why are they trying to sour his relationship with the rest of the front office by just asking the free open market to try to set the price. If you are willing to put the money down on the restricted free agent, regardless, if you're willing to match the amount of money that a team comes forward with, then why not just put that money down in the first place and have Lamar Jackson, you know, continue to be your, your starting quarterback. I, I, and, and the idea that the Ravens will somehow 
They let Lamar walk, even with the restricted deal. They say, hey, we're not going to match this. You can go play for, you know, Washington, New England, God forbid, New England, because that has been a team that is sniffing around. Uh, God forbid, New England. Uh, Are we really confident that the Ravens are going to be able to turn this around in a good fashion? the Ravens do not have a history, a very good history of drafting quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. Now, granted, they have one, and I would I would argue that Lamar Jackson is probably already the greatest quarterback in the history of that franchise, just in terms of pure talent in uh, numbers. Granted, I will hear arguments for Joe Flacco. He won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. I won't uh, I won't necessarily argue against that. Lamar Jackson, though, in my opinion, just in the few amount of time, in the few amount of years that he's had. I think he's already kind of performed above the expectations that Joe Flacco all like ever had on on his shoulders. He Flacco it seemed like he always had uh, a tremendous set of weapons around him and a fantastic defense around him. Uh, but in terms of what they've drafted in quarterbacks, uh, has not been stellar. It's been Joe Flacco, obviously, who has been the 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 guy that they look to as the best franchise quarterback probably of all time. He never had he never made any Pro Bowls, though. I mean, that is something to take into account. He was never an all-pro selection. But other than that, Lamar Jackson being the only all-pro selection in the history of that franchise that has been drafted from them. Kyle Bowler in 2003, Chris Redman, a third-round selection in 2000, Troy Smith, the fifth-round selection in 2007, Josh Harris was a sixth-round selection, never made it, a sixth-round selection in Derek Anderson. Granted, not a terrible career from Derek Anderson. He made a Super Bowl. Tyra Taylor, another guy that did not have a terrible career, but not necessarily year-in, year-out starter material. Uh, Keith Wenning, Trace McSorley, John Stark, Wally Richardson, and Wes Pate is the history of quarterbacks drafted by the uh, by the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll say they hit on two of those 13 quarterbacks, I would say. I think you could confidently say you hit on two of those, even though Joe Flacco, I don't know if, I mean, if you win a Super Bowl with the quarterback, sure, we can count it as hitting on it, sure. Trent Dilfer was a quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens when they had the greatest uh, defense of all time, uh, and he won a Super Bowl with that team, and Trent Dilfer is not a very good quarterback. Um, So to see that they are willing to just push it away, say, hey, we don't need you, we'll find another one in the draft, uh, is weird coming from a team that had drafted Kyle Bowler in 2003, and he made four start. I mean, he started for four seasons with the Ravens uh, with the 19th pick in the draft back in 2003, and that was their selection. And since then, the best pick that they ever made at the quarterback position was Lamar Jackson, and he was the 32nd pick. And the other thing is, in terms of weapons that they've tried to draft around Lamar Jackson, it's also been not fantastic. Uh, They have not been very good at finding weapons for him to throw to in 2018. It was Mark Andrews who they drafted with Lamar Jackson. That was by far their best weapon that they selected to put around Lamar Jackson in 2019. They took Marquise Brown, no offense to Marquise Brown, but to see the things that happened behind him that they selected, they took Marquise Brown at the 25th overall selection. Uh, The selections that happened behind Marquise Brown, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and Terry McLaurin. All, I would say, better uh, than Hollywood Brown in 2020. The Ravens took Patrick McQueen at the 28th pick and linebacker who, granted, uh, it filled a need for them in that position. He hasn't necessarily panned out probably in the best way that they'd hoped. But right after him, only six or seven picks later, T. Higgins went with the 33rd pick. Uh, in the draft in 2020. Uh, the Ravens did end up taking Devin Duvernay with a 92nd overall pick. 
who has, for the most part, panned out. I would say he's been pretty good for them. Two Pro Bowls, I think. Uh, and he also made an All-Pro t- team as well, if I remember correctly. 2021, 2022, it's a little harder. A lot of the best wide receivers took up or were taken in the first few selections of the draft where the Ravens were like nowhere near having uh, one of those selections. So it's tough to say. And it's still pretty early for a lot of those selections as well. But to see, you know, T. Higgins go 33rd after they took Patrick Queen and then Hollywood Brown in 2019, who they took 25th. And then after that, C. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Tara McLaurin all go off the board. It is hindsight. Obviously, you're going to say it's hindsight 2020. Totally fair. But then again, Everybody else saw something in these guys that they took in the second round. You know, why wasn't the Raven? Why weren't the Ravens the ones to see that sort of productivity from a lot of those guys? It brings up an interesting conversation to be had around what their confidence is in being able to draft the next guy or after Lamar Jackson or even fill the needs uh, for for Lamar Jackson. Um, so I, I just find this entire thing interesting, the fact that they're so openly and willing willing to uh, let the open market decide where he, where his money, what, what he is worth in terms of monetarily, uh, and then if they're willing to actually match it when, in my opinion, inevitably, somebody is willing to give up those two first-round picks in like basically an automatic trade if they do end up matching uh, or if they don't end up matching that uh, restricted free agency, if the Ravens don't end up matching the number that is put out there. Uh, they automatically get two first round picks from the team that signs him. So I'm thinking, you know, the the Patriots, God forbid the Patriots go out and they say, hey, we know a superstar when we see them. Obviously, they they dealt with Tom Brady for 20 years, 18 years or whatever it was. Uh, we'll take Lamar Jackson. Thank you. Mac Jones is not uh, the guy that we thought that he was. Uh, we made a mistake there. We're going to go out and sign uh, Lamar Jackson to a $250 million guaranteed deal. And we're going to put him with Bill Belichick, who We'll craft something magnificent out of him and um, we'll see Bill Belichick running the league again for another five years or even longer for another 10 years if they end up keeping him for longer than that. Is that really something the Ravens really want to mess with? I mean, if uh, here's the thing. If Bill Belichick is interested in your quarterback, then you should keep him. I think that's a probably a safe, uh, a safe, a safe rule to go by for all of your drafting or all of your free agency situations. If Bill Belichick wants the player that you're after, then keep him or go and get him. That is that should be the number one rule for every head coach or GM that is looking to sign a uh, a player in the offseason. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a break to hear from one of our sponsors. That is right. A sponsor of the program. We have our first sponsor on this program in the history of the program, and it is Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 real estate. Now look ladies and gentlemen, I get it. You got to navigate the real estate market. It is impossible. Everybody on House Hunters makes it look super easy. They just go into three different houses and they pick the house they want. Boom bang boom. Episode's over. They have a house. It's not that easy ladies and gentlemen. And Jack and Kathleen Wood will be able to help you throughout that process. And even the people in House Hunters, they have a real estate agent and these people, Jack Wood, Kathleen Wood at 307 real estate could be your House Hunter-esque real estate agents. So if you're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate in the Sheridan area, these are the two people you should call Jack at 307-763-1249 and Kathleen at 307-461-7203. So listeners, one of the only things I'll ask from you is to support the people that support the show. And that includes these two, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship and make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs at 307-763-1249. 
and 307-461-7203. All right, enough about football. It's baseball time, ladies and gentlemen. We got opening day coming up three days away. I'm super excited. I guess two days away. It's Tuesday. Two days away. I'm super excited. I just want to watch baseball. It's finally here. We're going to do a rapid preview, okay? It's going to be pretty quick, so try to keep up. If you want. If you miss, feel free to hit the hit the back button a couple times. I'm not going to go super quick, you know, because, you know, reading's the hardest thing to do in the world. Uh, but I am going to go quick. I'm not going to spend too much time on each one of these teams. I did kind of do a little preview for about 15 or so teams or something like that. A couple that I expect to at least challenge for each division. And a couple of those were like three team, uh, three team expected divisions. So uh, we're going to start here. We're going to start in the National League. Okay, the NL East, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies, very tough division. Three of those teams that could all win it. Braves, probably the best team in the National League in terms of talent, uh, potential. The Mets, also similar situation. They did lose Edwin Diaz. That's a tough loss. The Phillies, also dealing with injuries. Bryce Harper's going to be out for like the first half of the year. Reese Hoskins just went down for the entire rest of the year. We're going to start specifically with the Braves. They have the best projected record according in the MLB, according to Fangraphs. That surprised me. I don't know if it surprises you. It definitely surprised me. Dansby Swanson, he leaves, goes to the Cubs. So shortstop becomes arguably the weakest position for the Braves right now. But left field, a little dry as well. Guys like Eddie Rosario or Marcelo Zuna, those guys are specifically, I think, more more potential for DH. But if they're playing out in left field, eh, not great fielders. So they'll they'll do a lot of their damage from the bat. Uh, Michael Harris, their center fielder, defending rookie of the year, as well as runner-up rookie of the year, Spencer Schreider as a starting pitcher. Two fantastic players. If they get into a sophomore slump, they could see trouble with the Braves, but we'll see. Michael Harris had, Michael Harris had a fantastic year at the plate. Spencer Strider, a fantastic pitcher. Uh, it's a complete team all the way around. The Braves are one of the better bullpens in the league with AJ Minter, Colin McHugh, Kirby Yates, and Rysel Iglesias. I believe Iglesias is hurt right now, but he should be expected back a little bit later in the season. Uh, and uh, once he comes back, it's going to be one of the fan, one of the better bullpens in the entire league uh, that is being put out there. So the Braves, one of the best teams in the league. They still have Ronald Acuna Jr., who should be bouncing back from uh, a little you know down year, I would say, uh, this past season. And uh, Matt Olson, who should be expecting a bounce back as well. He also had a little bit of a down year from uh, the previous 2020 campaign that he had. We'll see what they do. Austin Riley, another guy at third base who is fantastic. Should be a, uh, They just re-signed him as well. And uh, I think he should be, uh, should be looked out as one of the better sluggers, uh, especially at the corner for that team as well. Okay, moving on to the Mets. Mets spent an absurd amount of money in the offseason. They re-signed Brandon Nimmo. Uh, the 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 Wyoming boy in center field. They re-signed Edwin Diaz, but his season is over due to injury, unfortunately. Arguably the best offensive infield in the league. Pete Alonso can lead the league in RBIs if he wants to. Jeff McNeil is coming off a fantastic season, a, bat, a batting title winner. Francisco Lindor, he can still play at an MVP, le- uh, MVP caliber, in my opinion. I think he is set to have a fantastic season. Third base, probably the weakest position. They still have Eduardo Escobar as a switch-hitting third baseman. But Brett Beatty. Look out for Brett Beatty, power hitting third baseman, lefty, could surprise some people, could come out and have a fantastic year at a power position. Also one of the best starting rotations in all of baseball, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander as the one, two, Kodai Senga, or uh, Carlos Carrasco as the three and the four starters. The bullpen could be a weak spot without Edwin Diaz, but uh, that starting rotation, absolutely electric. If those guys some seemingly continue to not age, then that could be one of the best starting rotations that we see. In a long time, honestly. Uh, the Phillies, they're defending in a, a National League champs. Who knows where they're going to be? Got the best shortstop on the free agency market, and Trey Turner, who has looked fantastic in the spring. Got a crazy WBC boost. He was looking fantastic in the World Baseball Classic. I don't know how you start 
from the WBC and go into the regular season and not be hot. I mean, if you're Trey Turner, you got to be you must almost look like a, a a volleyball right now. The baseball must look like a volleyball. So I'm expecting big things from him. They also signed Taiwan Walker, who should be a decent back end starter to a third starter if his stuff is really on. I think that was a good signing for them. They suffered two bad injuries. We talked about that a little bit before the regular season. Uh, Bryce Harper had to get Tommy John surgery, so he's going to miss the first half of the season. And Reese Hoskins, he tore his ACL in spring training game, which will cost him the entire 2023 season. Those are big losses for the Phillies. I think that's going to keep them out of the hunt for the most part in the NL East. Um, but they still have arguably a top five starting rotation with Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler as the top one, two, And a solid bullpen with guys like Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez. So uh, I, I think those injuries are going to hurt them you know, for the most part. Losing Bryce Harper for the first half of the season could create a pretty big gap in the NL East, especially with the guys at the top uh, as strong as they are in the Braves and the Mets. I think the Braves probably walk away with this division if they can keep healthy. Losing Edwin Diaz for the Mets is a huge loss for them in the back end of the bullpen, and I think that will probably cost them the division. But I do think the Mets still end up making the wild card uh, to go into the playoffs. Okay, NL Central. Two-team race, in my opinion. Cardinals, Brewers still give the edge a little bit to the Cardinals. They only had one huge signing in the offseason, stealing away catcher Wilson Gutierrez from the Cubs. Should be a huge upgrade offensively over Yadier Molina. Uh, he's not a great defensive catcher, but offensively he should be a big upgrade over Yadier Molina. Uh, they have the two best corners in baseball in Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt's coming off the reigning MVP. Uh, should have a solid outfield as well with Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newbar, Lars Newbar, who's coming off a WBC World Championship with uh, Japan. Don't know how you come into the season not feeling pumped about that. So that's a great way to start the season. Uh, Dylan Carlson as well. And Jordan Walker, who just got called up. He was their highest rating, pro highest ranked prospect. Uh, and he just got called up. So we'll see what he can do in his rookie season. Uh, starting pitchers, weakest spot for them. Leaves a lot to be desired. Doesn't feel like they have a real number one with a lot of middle of the rotation guys like Miles Mikolas, Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flattery, and the ghost of Adam Wainwright, who's still up there basically rolling the ball to home plate. Uh, Jack Flattery could end up becoming... Their number one guy, we've seen flashes of it from Jack Flattery, but feels like it's been a while that we've seen that uh, the number one material from Jack Flattery. Uh, and Adam Wainwright, like I said, he's basically softball tossing the ball at this point at his age. Uh, but, you know, whatever. They're still throwing him out there. He's at least doing something. Uh, the bullpen looks like it should be a little bit better than the starting rotation. Ryan Helsley could lead the league in saves with Edwin Diaz going down for the rest of the year. Uh, they also have a flamethrower in Jordan Hicks as well as Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, very good team in the Cardinals. We'll see where they end up. The Brewers, Brewers strong suit, undoubtedly is going to be their starting pitching. Uh, Corbin Burns is one of the best in the game. Brandon Woodruff has been a stellar number two. And Freddie Peralta has been a great third starter with flashes of possible two situation. And Eric Lauer, a great guy on the back end as well. He was a, present, a pleasant surprise last year. On offense, their best player will probably be Willie Adamas, Luis Urias, uh, and uh, Christian Yelich if they can all stay healthy. That would be huge, especially Christian Yelich. If he can somehow recreate what he did in 2020, that would be ideal for the Brewers. Uh, he has been, he's had real trouble staying on the field, but if he can stay on the field, produce some sort of a uh, huge season like he did in 2020, that would be a great boost to the offense, which is more or less their weak spot. They will need a couple of other guys like Jesse Winker, Luke Voigt, who they literally just signed two days ago, Brian Anderson to step up if they really want to make a push for the NL Central. I do think the Cardinals, they can stay healthy. Uh, they're just kind of a much more, a much better matchup for the Brewers uh, in terms of the long run. They just have the better team overall. Uh, the Brewers could surprise the Cardinals, I think, with their starting pitching. I think their starting pitching is better all the way around than the Cardinals, but that offense for the Cardinals is very good, and the, and the bullpen on the back end, I think, is probably better than what the Brewers have on their back end. So 
I'll give the edge to the Cardinals in the NL Central. In the NL West, also a two-team race. Uh, Padres, Dodgers, don't really see anybody else competing for uh, that division. Giants, no. Diamondbacks, no. Rockies, absolutely not. Padres, actually projected to win more games, win the NL West than, uh, according to Fangraphs, over the Dodgers. So we'll start with them. They made a ton of great offseason additions, in my opinion. Xander Bogarts, Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, who had a weird shining spotlight in the middle of the season last year with the Yankees. He could try to replicate that like he did with the Yankees last year with the Padres. Uh, Michael Walker, who could be a good back end of the rotation type of guy for the Padres. Uh, they could have the best offensive lineup in the league, in my opinion. Manny Machado, Xander, Cruz still somehow doing the thing at 40 plus years old. Cruz will more than likely be the year, uh, the weekend or the day in day out DH. And I think that's a good position for him to be in. Not a, a hugely hitter friendly park in Petco, but still Cruz, if he still somehow finds a way to find gaps, he'll be a fantastic addition to the team. Juan Soto, obviously, uh, and Fernando Atis. Tatis, if he comes back uh, as you know the the guy that we all expect him to be uh, after his PD suspension, which he'll be back from April uh, by April twentieth. So if he comes back, shines, he's going to be playing more outfield this year. If he comes back and shines in that situation, uh, then I expect they will be one of the best lineups in the MLB this year, if not the best lineup in the MLB this year. They should have a solid pitching staff, starting pitching staff as well with you Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove. Musgrove is hurt and he's out with a toe fracture. And uh, Michael Waka in the back end. Also a very good bullpen. Josh Hader should be one of the best back end arms in the entire game this season. If he can keep it consistent for the rest of the year. He had a, a weird stumble towards the, the end of his tenure with the Brewers. And then towards the beginning of his tenure with the Padres last year. But then he slowly figured it out. Uh, if he can have that consistently throughout the entire year without any injuries. He should be one of the best back end, uh, back end arms in the entire league. Uh, Taylor Rogers has also been a very good surprise for them. As well as Robert Suarez who, who was fantastic in his first year last year as well. Moving over to the Dodgers, it's still the Dodgers, and it will always be hard to pick against the Dodgers. However, this does feel like their weakest team in a while that I can remember. Still have a couple of fantastic bats, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, Will Smith, uh, but they did lose Walker Bueller, Gavin Lux to injury, Trey Turner, Tyler Anderson to free agency, a couple of big losses. They will not see uh, Walker Bueller or Gavin Lux at all this season, so big losses for them. Uh, they still have Julio Urias, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Noah Syndergaard, who they got in free agency in their starting rotation, and they'll need Dusty May, uh, Dustin May to step up in Walker Bueller's absence for sure. Uh, they should have a very good bullpen once again. Ella Phillips had a fantastic year last year. If you can replicate that, that would be good for them. Uh, Alex Vasilla is back as well. And Bruce Dark Gratterall could have a bounce back year. We could see him being leaned on more uh, with the loss of a couple of guys that they lost in free agency out of the pen, like Chris Martin, a couple other guys, David, Mar uh, David Price retired. Bruce Dark Gratterall might be leaned on a little bit more, uh, and I think if he can if he can handle that, then then that should be a very good uh, late relief pitcher that they have in him. Uh, I do think the Padres are probably the. I mean, just in terms of top to bottom, who knows? Maybe this might be the season without the Dodgers are going to have less expectations on them than they normally do, uh, which is like year in year out. They're always expected to win the NL, the NL West, like by a you know uh, twenty games or something. Maybe they tend to relax a little bit more. Maybe that kind of propels them, if that makes sense, uh, to perform a little bit better. But I still think the Potters, just top to bottom, are the better team. They got some championship experience in Xander Bogarts, just the veteran the veteran presence of Nelson Cruz. Same thing with Matt Carpenter. I think they have the perfect grouping of guys to try to make a run for the World Series title. Uh, they already beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. They got that monkey off their back. 
They beat them last year in the playoffs, so it's not like they're going to be having the ghost around the corner or anything like that in the Dodgers. So I do think that the Padres win the NLS this year. Dodgers, I do think, will make the wild card round. So I think the Mets make the wild card, and then the Dodgers make the wild card. And then that third wild card spot, uh, I can see the Phillies making a push for that, even though their injuries could have an issue. The Brewers could definitely make a push for that. I'd lean more towards the Brewers after the injuries that happened to uh, Reese Hoskins. I think that's going to be a bigger situation than most people expect. And losing Bryce Harper for the first half of a season could really dig them into a bigger hole than I think uh, more people are expecting. So I think the Brewers maybe inch out uh, the Phillies for that last wild card spot. Okay, American League now. We're going to go to the American League East. This division... Uh, it's always a cluster. This division is always a cluster. It seems like there's always four really good teams out of this division. Uh, the Yankees should be the favorite. The Blue Jays could surprise. The Rays are always a surprise. So we no idea where the Rays are going to end up. Blue Jays, I'm expecting a big bounce back from them. So I'll get to that in a second. We're going to start with the Yankees, though. I do expect them to win this division. Still probably have a top three lineup in the MLB. Aaron Judge could easily be a back-to-back MVP if he has like half the season he had last year, bringing back Rizzo. Uh, who should still be a solid first baseman for them and benefit hugely from the new shift rules. I think that was a big signing. Won't have the best defensive outfielder in Harrison Bader for the next six weeks weeks due to injury. We'll see if he can continue to play like one of the best outfielders in the world. Uh, Their starting pitching could be the best if they can stay healthy. Garrett Cole, Carlos Rodon, Carlos Rodon, who is already expected to hit the injury list. Nestor Cortez, Luis Severino, also expected to hit the injured list. If if those guys can get together and have like a a solid one through four, that's going to be one of the best rotations in the entire game. So if Carlos Rodon can stay healthy, Luis Severino, who's had difficulty staying healthy as well, those guys can stay healthy. That's going to be a fantastic rotation. And if Garrett Cole can, you know, consistently put out solid performances, he's had a couple situations where he's become inconsistent. That has become a problem for the Yankees at times, but I still think he's one of the best pitchers in the league, no doubt. So uh, if he can stay healthy, if the rest of that rotation can stay healthy, then one of the best rotations in the league, no doubt. Uh, they also have a very good bullpen as well. Clay Holmes, Jonathan Lewisaga, headline the back end of the pen, as well as Michael King and Wandy Peralta. There's really not a whole lot of negative you can say about the Yankees right now. A couple areas on the field where you wish they have a little bit more pop in their bats, third base, preferably uh, shortstop similar, even though they just they just called up uh, Anthony Volpe. If he can come up and kind of shine in the league, uh, but that's a big if for a guy like that. I mean, coming up to the Yankees at the start of the season, that's, you know, not something that's easy to do. So uh, if there was any negative for the Yankees right now, I'd say one, their health and their two, uh, their line, their lineup is not the deepest in the league, even though they have uh, arguably the best hitter in the, in the league and Aaron judge uh, in terms of power hitter, um, not necessarily the deepest lineup uh, in the re- throughout the rest of taking a look at the, the rest of the league. Um, speaking of arguably the best lineup, blue Jays lineup that I'm expecting a huge bounce back from, from Vlad Guerrero, Jr. Bo Bichette, Matt Chapman, George Springer, Brandon Belt at DH. Did I just surprise you? Yeah, Brandon Belt's not with the Giants. That's correct. He's with the Blue Jays now. He's going to be a DH. Good veteran presence to have for them in the uh, in the locker room. I think Brandon Belt was a good signing for them. If he can perform, you know, not substantially insane, not insanely well, but you know, put a couple doubles in the gap. What Brandon Belt does best, put a couple doubles in the gap, and then just drops the bat. And you know what he does? Uh, put a couple doubles down the line, that sort of thing, and then have that veteran presence, the championship experience that they need. I think that's going to be a good addition for them. Uh, and then I'm expecting big bounce backs from Vlad Guerrero Jr., who did not have a fantastic, not have a great year last year. Uh, Bo Bichette, similar Matt Chapman. Bo Bichette actually turned it on towards the end of the year. I don't know what I'm doing there. 
turned it on towards the end of the year, but Matt Chapman needs to turn it up offensively. He needs to be a lot better. And if George Springer, George Springer can stay healthy, he's always going to be consistently one of the better uh, outfielders in the league, especially in terms of offensive output. So I'm expecting a bigger, bigger bounce back from the Blue Jays, probably more than anybody, honestly. Uh, I just expect that lineup to really turn things around. And I don't think Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to have two years in a row where he kind of was more on a downward trend throughout the entire season. So uh, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, their lineup, a couple of solid starters in the rotation as well. Alec Manoa, Kevin Gosman, a good signing in Chris Bassett, who was originally with the Mets for a while. Uh, he'll be a solid three starter, possible two starter. If he's really, if he's really throwing it well, uh, they could have a top 15 bullpen as well. One of the best closers in the game in Jordan Romano, who was coming off a 36 safe season. They also grabbed Eric Swanson from Seattle in a trade when they traded Teoscar uh, Hernandez, who I think is a very good pickup as a setup man, uh, who should be perfect for Romano as a setup man. So that's a good pickup from them. And I think, uh, I think they should bounce back in a better way than they did, uh, a year ago where they kind of, I would say, I mean, they were in the playoffs. They lost to Seattle, had the terrible choke job to Seattle. Uh, I think they will have a bounce back season this year. I think they'll use that as more of fuel to the fire uh, coming into the season. So I'm expecting a bounce back year from the Blue Jays. The Rays, always a confusing team. I'm looking at the names on that roster and I'm like, I don't know what to expect from any of these guys, but somehow the Rays found them and that means they're probably going to end up playing good. I'm expecting some random guy in their lineup to explode out of nowhere or someone in their shooting rotation to become an ace out of nowhere. That's just somehow what they do. Uh, Ronda Franco, by far their best all-around player. He is hurt with an oblique strain right now, but it's nothing serious, even though he is questionable for opening day. Randy Rosarena is coming off a fantastic showing at the WBC, so he's going to be one of the hot bats coming out of spring. Uh, and we'll see if Yandy Diaz can replicate his great season at the plate this year last year at uh, at over at first base. Their starting pitching seems to always be good. Shane McClanahan should be great. Tyler Tyler Glasnow, uh, who could come back, uh, could come back to being a solid number two or take over the number one spot from McClanahan if he's really showing out uh, and brought in Zach, Zach Alfline, who from, uh, from Philadelphia, who could be a solid number three, could jump to a number two, but I see him as more a three back end starter, if you will. They did lose Shane Bass for the rest of the season. Uh, I think he's getting Tommy John surgery, if I remember correctly. Uh, and that is, that's a tough loss for them. Uh, he should bounce back. I mean, he's still young in his career. He's going to bounce back. He's going to be one of those guys for Tampa that's just going to come out of nowhere and be a fantastic pitcher for the race. That seems like we have one of those every single year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they're going to have another great bullpen as well. Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adam, both coming off fantastic seasons. Could duplicate, could duplicate those performances out of the pen, and they'll have a solid bullpen. The AL East, tricky division. Um, I If I'm seeing the Blue Jays bouncing back, I could see them win this division, to be honest with you. They're going to need some big improvement from their starters. They had a couple of questionable outings from a lot of their starters. Kevin Gosman was not really the guy that they signed from the Giants for the most part. Uh, Alec Manoa, we're really expecting him to kind of, you know, improve himself and show that he is the ace that I think a lot of people were expecting. Uh, and I think I could see that happening, but that is putting a lot on the shoulders of a lot. I'm expecting a, like, you know, a big improvement from everybody across the board on this team. And that's just not, you know, something that typically happens, especially in a division that is tough, as tough as this. Um, so I still think the Yankees probably win this division, but I think the Blue Jays are going to make the wild card is probably the best the best wildcard team. Um, and I don't think the Rays will make the postseason. I'm saying that, you know, very carefully saying that very carefully. Okay. I'll be honest with you. That's a bold take. The Rays are still a good team, but this is probably the, the, the rest of the teams around them are probably as, 
uh, good as they've ever been in terms of matching their quality. And I think the Yankees are just much better than the Rays. And I think the Blue Jays, if everything goes right for the Blue Jays, if they really start to put things together, I think this team, I think the Blue Jays can be better, will be better than the Rays as well. Uh, AL Central, another three-team race. White Sox, Twins, they should bounce back. The Guardians, I think, in my opinion, will take a step down. But still a solid team from the Guardians. I think the White Sox and the Twins, they have to take a step up. There's no way they duplicate what they were last season. There's no way. We'll start with the Twins. Underrated lineup if it can stay healthy. Healthy A lot A lot will lean on Buxton and uh, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa to stay healthy, in my opinion. A good signing, in my, in my opinion, a good signing in Joey Gallo, who I think will benefit heavily from the new shift rules. I think there will be a situation where Joey Gallo will be able to kind of... Um, shoot a couple of gaps, find the holes uh, more effectively. And I think he's going to be able to see a uh, new light, you know, in, in terms of what he's hitting in the field. And I think that's a, a relatively good signing for not a whole lot of cost. And if he turns out to be uh, somebody that ends up hitting the gaps because the shift's not really there anymore, I think that's a great signing for them or hitting the holes. Who knows? Maybe we're going to have more singles than we ever thought we could imagine from Joey Gallo, but I could be wrong as well. You know, we'll see. I think uh, with the shift situation that it is, I think more people will pitch around him a little bit more scared, to be honest with you. And I think he could draw a lot of walks that way. Somebody that is very good at drawing walks, Joey Gallo. Uh, so we'll see what he does. And I think uh, I think that's an underrated signing, honestly. Uh, Jorge Polanco, always a solid middle infielder as well for them. He is hurt, uh, isn't expected for opening day. But once he comes back, he's always a solid middle, interf- middle infielder for the uh, the Twins as well. They did lose batting title holder Luis Arias in a trade with the Marlins, but gained Pablo Lopez, who could be a solid number one or two in the starting rotation. Joe Ryan could be a possible rookie of the year candidate to keep an eye on, should be a solid starter for the Twins as well. But a lot of the middle guys in the rotation, uh, no real eye poppers or bona fide aces either. So it's a lot of middle dudes, you know, not, you know, a bunch of twos. You know what they say, if you have a bunch of twos and threes, you don't have a number one. If you have a bunch of twos and threes, middle of the rotation guys, there is no ace. That could become a problem for the Twins uh, if they need that win from somebody. I, I mean, you'll look at Pablo Lopez, obviously, uh, but he has spent a lot of time behind Sandy Alcantara down in uh, Miami. So we don't know really if he has that ace material, that guy, that killer instinct, if you will, that you see from a lot of the aces. Uh, and there's a lot of just middle, middle rotation guys, even though Joe Ryan, he could end up being that guy. If he has a solid rookie season, then he could definitely be the number one for this team moving forward. Uh, the bullpen. Very middle of the pack. Uh, they do sport one of the ba- best back in arms in the AL and Johan Duran, uh, but everything else around him is not very good. And it's basically Yo- the Johan Duran show out of the pen and everybody else is, you know, minuscule, mediocre at best when it comes to wins above replacement. Uh, but Johan Duran, definitely one of the best arms in the AL when it comes to uh, closing out games or being a setup, man. The White Sox. White Sox, probably the most disappointing team from last year, uh, but they were hammered by injuries the entire season last year. I expect them to bounce back this season. They'll hopefully have Eloy Jimenez back at full strength for a full season. I think he could make a huge splash at DH. Luis Robert as well, who should command center field all season long. They sign Andrew Benatendi, who isn't a massive splash in the market, but should solidify left field if he could duplicate last season. And Andrew Vaughn, I think he's going to have a much better season at the plate. Uh, he's been quiet ever since he came up back in 2021, but I think this year he can. He it's bound. He's bound for a breakout, and I think this is the year that he does it, especially with the new shift rules and everything. Uh, the starting rotation is also interesting. Dylan Cease is an absolute ace that could uh, be a year in year out all star. Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito are solid middle of the rotation guys as well. And uh, when Michael Kopech comes back from injury, he could make a solid bounce back and really 
solidify the rest of that rotation. And they could have a very good uh, one through four with Dylan Cease being the absolute ace uh, if he can stay healthy as well. They have a very good bullpen as well. If Kendall Graveman and Aaron Bummer, Bummer can recreate what they did in 2021, they could have a special pairing in the back end. They did lose Liam Hendricks, unfortunately, to he got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I did not know that uh, until I was researching a lot of this. Uh, that sucks. That is depressing as all get out. Uh, he got diagnosed on in January, if I remember correctly. And that was uh, very depressing to read because I love watching Liam Hendricks. He's a ton of fun to watch uh, and to see that he is down. He's out with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I'm hoping that he can come back at some point. I don't know really how that goes, but that would be super cool for him to somehow bounce back from. Obviously not on the top list of things at the moment, but uh, we're all rooting for, for Liam Hendricks. I hope, I hope he gets better. Uh, okay. The guardians, I'd expect this team to fall back a 10. This is the team that I think is going to, going to fall backwards just a little bit. I don't think they will be able to replicate, replicate the season that they had on offense. Um, still, they have an RBI machine and Jose Ramirez, bunch of guys that are great at getting on base. Steven Kwan, Andre Jimenez, Josh Bell, uh, Josh Bell, another guy that should hopefully could turn into another RBI guy. So they're not relying a whole lot, uh, super heavily on Jose Ramirez. Still have one of the best pitchers in the league at, at the starting spot in Shane Bieber. However, the rest of the rotation leaves some to be desired. Tristan McKenzie should be the far and away number two, but he is hurt and he has been shut down for the next two weeks. So not getting out uh, to the start that you would like for Tristan McKenzie at the start of the season. But if he bounces back after the two weeks, really puts on a good show. And he has been a very solid uh, number two behind Shane Bieber. Then I think uh, I think that would be a good addition to this team in the rotation. They do still have one of the best bullpens in the league. Uh, Emmanuel Classe, arguably the best closer in the American League as well. And James Karanchak, who was a fantastic setup for him, setup man for him last year. Uh, but it's really Emmanuel Classe who is of uh, in a Classe uh, all in his own, if you will. <laughs> that was a good one. You guys get that. Uh, yeah, no, but Emmanuel Classe, definitely very, very good starter. He was an all-star last year. Very, or not starter, excuse me, a closer. Very good closer. All-star last year. Um, and I think they really command the bullpen with him and uh, James Karanchak if they can go in uh, pretty prominently and not really make a whole lot of mistakes. And this team could still be very good, but I think I think they're going to take a step back, in my opinion. I think a lot of more people are, a lot more teams are starting to get a little bit more of a read on them. And I think it's going to be easier for the other teams, the other teams pitching, the other teams defense uh, to try to get, the other guys that are getting on base all the time, Stephen Kwan, Andres Jimenez, Josh Bell, uh, and everything like that to uh, get out and stuff like that. So we'll see. Uh, but I do think they take a slight step back uh, in the standings. So in the AL Central, I think the White Sox, man, I think the White Sox, they have the team uh, that could really put things together and make a run for the AL Central title that was expected last year, but they got hammered by injuries. They already have a couple of injury situations right now, uh, but nothing major, nothing too serious from what I understand, other than Liam Hendricks, obviously. Uh, but in terms of, um, you know, actually, you know, baseball related injuries, uh, they haven't, they're not really de dealing with anything that is too uh, time consuming, if you will. And I think this team, they, I, I feel like they'll put it together. I think Andrew Benatendi is an underrated signing for them. I think Eloy Menes comes back and has a fantastic season at the DH spot. Dylan Cease is going to be oh, a day in day out ace every time he starts. We're going to have we should be expecting a fantastic performance from them. And I think uh, Lucas Giolito, a guy that's not too far removed from throwing a a, a no hitter. Uh, not, I think it was like two years ago. I think he should have a fantastic season. And if Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bummer, they have good years out of the bullpen. I think this team can be very good. I think they win the AL Central, and I think the Twins uh, could possibly see themselves in a wild card situation. We could see a situation though again where we have two teams in the AL East make it into the wildcard situation as, as well. I think the Rays are better than 
a team like the Twins, I guess, is, is to be honest with you, from top to bottom, bottom, I think the Rays are a little bit better than the Twins. Uh, all you know, and they have the experience to make it to the wild card. The Twins haven't really uh, done that in at least in a while. I can't remember. I think what was it? Was it before the pin? Or no, it was twenty twenty. I think when they made the wild card game. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, I think the Rays, top to bottom, are still a better team than the Twins. So we could see two. Three teams from the same division make it to the wildcard game. Uh, three teams make it to the playoffs, excuse me, one winning the uh, ALS and the AL East and the Yankees, and then the two wildcard teams be the Blue Jays and the Twins, or the Blue Jays and the uh, the Rays, and that leaves um, one final wildcard spot up for the taking, and I'm getting to that in a section. A second, we're going to get to the AL West. The Astros should still dominate this division. I still think they own the division, but the Mariners should also be better. And I'm always expecting and hoping I'm always hoping for the angels to be better. Please dear Lord, let the angels be better. The Astros still one of the best lineups in the league did lose Jose Altuve to a fractured finger, which will sideline him for at least two months. That's a big loss, uh, but quietly. And they signed former MVP Jose Abreu. I think that's a very underrated signing. Honestly, uh, kind of got swept under the rug. Honestly, I did not see a lot of people talk about that. That was a big signing for the Astros. Uh, Jeremy Pena is coming off of world series MVP. If he can step it up during the regular season, that'll be huge. Uh, and they have to rely a little bit more on Alex Bregman, uh, with Altuve out and Alex Bregman already a solid hitter for that team. Regardless, uh, they still have a drastically underrated starting rotation. In my opinion, they brought back all of the rotation from the world series run three guys that could be solid ones or twos in Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia and Christian Javier, as well as Lance McCullers. If he can stay healthy, he's already out for the first, I think uh, he, he's expected to be heading to the injured list uh, because of an injury he sustained. Uh, so we'll see what happens when Lance McCullers comes back. But those three guys, Framber Valdez, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier already, very solid three, one, two, three right there. I think it's a very underrated uh, rotation to have. They bring back another very good bullpen as well. Ryan Presley is back and he's a fantastic closer. They signed Rafael Montero in free agency and add to add to a group with Brian Brayu and Hector Neris. I think this team is still very good. You still got to look out for your Don, Kyle Tucker. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, very good team. And, you know, I don't think they're going to take a huge step back other than maybe uh, than the time when they're missing Altuve out at second base uh, because of his injury. But we'll see. I still think they have enough around that team to kind of make up for uh, the loss in Altuve that they can kind of keep, um, stay afloat, if you will, keep to the ship. Uh, with Altuve out. So we'll see what the Astros do. The Mariners, this is my other wildcard team, in my opinion. They have one of the best center fielders in the game, Julio Rodriguez. I liked a lot of the moves that they made. Uh, they made a couple of trades to try to bulk up the the rest of the lineup, acquiring Colton Wong, Teoscar, er, Teoscar Hernandez, and signing A.J. Pollock in free agency. Moves that I really like. Teoscar Hernandez is a great outfield, uh, a great uh, a great outfield offensive player. I think he's going to be a fantastic addition to that team. Uh, and then Colton Wong, a solid second baseman, another offensive bat that I think is going to be a good addition to this team. AJ Pollock, a, a little flyer. I think it was a seven million dollar one uh, one year, seven million dollar deal. Solid veteran presence that they're going to bring. He's going to bring to the lineup as well. I think that's a pretty good signing. I don't think I don't know how much action he's actually going to get out in like left field or anything like that. I think we're going to see him more in the DH spot, but. Still, a solid signing for them, a good veteran presence to have in that locker room. Uh, their rotation, Luis Castillo, he's going to be a solid number one, bona fide ace for that team. Uh, and if Robbie Ray can bounce back and show his old Toronto days back in 2020, then they could be a very good one too. And I still, uh, and they will hope that Logan Gilbert can turn into a very good number three uh, towards the back end of that rotation as well. Another team that should come in with a very good bullpen as well. Andres Munoz, Paul Seawald, Diego Castillo, Matt Brash, all guys that had solid seasons last year and could bring a solid consistency to 
that Mariners bullpen. Uh, and I think this team makes the wild card once again. I think there's no reason to expect them to take a step back. They made it a couple of dish of additions that should only improve their offensive output. I think they were good additions. I think they should be better this year. And it feels like Seattle baseball is finally, finally kind of coming back uh, with the, you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. It feels like ever since Griffey left, basically back in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, that uh, it feels like this team has been going through a, uh, a cave without a flashlight. But now feels like we can kind of see the light at the end of the cave with the team that they're putting together here. Uh, finally, the Angels. This is the why not to be, you know, redundant. This is the wild card team, quote unquote, for me. The Angels, every single year, it feels like they could either come out of nowhere, win 97 games or something like that, or they'll come out and win 72 games, uh, even though they have two of the best baseball players that the league has ever seen on their team. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how they have been as bad as they have been. Um, who else would we end with than the team that always seems to disappoint? Two of the best players in the history of the game and will be looking to make their first run at a World Series. Always expect massive years from Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, unless proven otherwise. That is just what they do consistently year in, year out. They have fantastic seasons. Mike Trout has to be able to stay healthy throughout the entire year. And Shohei, just keep doing Shohei. Just keep doing Shohei, and they're going to be, he's going to be sitting pretty. Uh, they did make some intriguing moves to their to improve the lineup around those two guys, honestly. Uh, trading for Hunter Renfro and Gio Urshela, good moves for them, and signing Brandon Drury, kind of a flyer deal again in the offseason. All solid moves, I think, to kind of improve that lineup. And if Anthony Rendon can put together a full season for the first time in, I think, like three years, uh, then maybe they'll actually live up to expectations. Uh, Shohei, without a doubt, is going to be their ace in the rotation, but adding Tyler Anderson from the Dodgers, who had a fantastic year with them last year, will be a solid number two, and either Reed Detmers, Patrick Sandoval could uh, could be solid number three starters as well. Their bullpen, though, big question mark. Their bullpen is a big question mark. Uh, very questionable coming in with one of the worst bullpens in the league in terms of projected war, according to Fangrass. Guys like Carlos Estevez and Jimmy Herget headline the pen, and I would expect a huge push uh, for bullpen arms if they find themselves in the hunt around uh, the deadline. I would expect some some massive signings in the bullpen if they even find themselves remotely close to a playoff spot when it comes to uh, once they start approaching the trade deadline just because, you know, the Angels, I think upper management, hopefully upper management is starting to get a little bit desperate when it comes to finding at least a playoff spot with the guys that they have on their team. And I think if they're kind of smelling that if they're sniffing the tails of the wild card or anything like that then i think they're gonna they're gonna make a huge push to try to improve their bullpen because their bullpen is definitely without a doubt their weakest spot on their team so uh i think they're the quote-unquote wild card because who knows what they're gonna do who knows what will happen with the angels i have no idea every year i had i just don't know what this team is going to put together i have no idea what they're going to look like and they end up playing well and it's very possible they do make a wild card spot. But as it stands right now, I've seen the Angels. I've been tricked by them before. I'm going to stay with the Mariners. I think it's going to be the Mariners. I can see the the AL East sporting three playoff teams as well. So I think I'm going to go with that. I think I'm going to go Yankees, Blue Jays. Uh, Yankees winning the AL East. Blue Jays making the wild card. Uh, the Rays making the wild card. And then finally, the Mariners making the wild card as well with the White Sox winning the AL Central and the Astros winning the AL West. Those are my predictions, ladies and gentlemen. I can make a couple MVP predictions as well. 
Uh, MVP predictions. Uh, let's think, let's think, let's think. Uh, I still think Aaron Judge. I think Aaron, I mean, actually, I take that back. I think it's Shohei. I, I don't think you can deny Shohei if he has the season that he did last year. Uh, if Aaron Judge isn't, you know, breaking his own record once again, Shohei is having the season that he did last year, then there's no possible way that you're not giving that MVP trophy to Shohei Otani. And I think given what he did during the spring. I think that's a great fan, a fantastic way to start the old, uh, the old MVP train up, if you will, uh, winning the WBC championship, the world baseball classic championship with Japan is a great way to start that season. And I think, um, that, that train towards MVP. And I think he will probably win the AL MVP in my opinion, uh, for NL NL is a little bit tougher. Cause it's, you know, it basically for the AL, it feels like it's always a two, a two man race and Aaron judge and Shohei Otani right now. For NL, it feels like uh, in the favor right now is Juan Soto to win it. I think that's probably a good pick. Um, he feels like he that's the one thing that he's kind of missing is a fantastic year leading to an MVP. He's got a World Series ring already. He's one of the best hitters in the game, like cut, dry, plain and simple. Uh, and it feels like Juan Soto is just kind of missing out on that one MVP to kind of solidify already a fantastic start to his career. He's only 20, what is he, 24 years old or something ridiculous like that talked about that not too long ago he's only 24 a team that somebody that I, I, I could put a flyer down on though honestly uh is francisco lindor i think the team the the the, the everything that's around that team uh the expectations that are around that team frankie lindor kind of feels like i and you know this is just basically entirely off of feeling feels like Fran, frankie lindor is looking for a big bounce back situation i can see francisco you know climbing out becoming an nl mvp leading that mets team to the World Series, not necessarily winning it, but leading them through the National League and taking them into uh, the World Series as well. Could be a pitcher as well. We haven't had a pitcher MVP in a long time. Uh, could be somebody like Scherzer. That wouldn't surprise me. Justin Verlander wouldn't surprise I mean, just basically those two guys in that rotation because that team is going to be very good. Uh, that Those two guys wouldn't surprise me either. So we'll see. But right now, Juan Soto is a solid pick. I wouldn't be surprised, though. Wouldn't be surprised to see Frankie Lindor in the MVP conversations. I think he had, I think he has a situation, a good situation to set up for a very good, uh, a very good bounce back 2023 campaign. Um, and I would, I would not be surprised to see that, but we'll see. We'll see with Frankie Lindor. We'll see with Juan Soto for Cy Young. I really like Scherzer. I think they're on a, he's on a very good team. I think the team's going to play very well in New York. Um, and if you're in New York and the team's playing well, you immediately have, the spotlight on you for something like that. That sort of award. So Scherzer, I think is a good pick for that Verlander as well. Verlander is coming off of an AL Cy Young. So, I mean, you could really pick either one of those guys. Sandy is coming off an NL Cy Young. Sandy Alcantara from Miami. Good pick there. Corbin Burns, Milwaukee. You can never really leave him alone. Uh, I think Spencer Strider is a quiet one. I think he's, he was very good with Atlanta. I think a second year, a second season Cy Young would be pretty surprising, but he was good enough last year. I mean, he was, he was, he was very good. I think somebody from San Diego would be not a terrible pick. If you Darvish has a really good season, who knows if that team's good enough, if they have a good enough record, uh, then that's something to take a look at as well as Joe Musgrove. Um, but I think honestly, Scherzer would be the pick for me, uh, for the NL Cy Young, uh, with the team that he has over there in, uh, in New York, uh, in terms of AL Cy Young. I mean, you can never go wrong with Jacob deGrom. Uh, I think the Rangers is probably going to, are there, Probably going to be better than a lot of people expect, but that's a tough division. Uh, but DeGrom is never a bad choice. Uh, Garrett Cole, again, not a bad choice there. Dylan Cease coming off a runner-up. Uh, Cy Young situation. Alec Manoa, good team in Toronto. I think that's a good pick. Uh, but I could see Shohei Otani taking home the the double, if you will, with the 
uh, Cy Young and the MVP. That wouldn't surprise me just because of how much of a unique situation he's in. I think uh, I think that would probably be my pick, to be honest with you, would be Shohei Otani uh, because we really haven't had... Uh, he's had his MVP caliber. His hitting situation has always been fantastic. Uh, we haven't seen ace version of Shohei Otani, I don't think yet, and I think that's maybe this might be the season where he breaks that out. So I'm going to go Shohei Otani. I'm going to go for the 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 crazy, the unbelievable Shohei Otani. Go for MVP for him in the AL as well as the Cy Young. Surprise everybody! I, I'm just I'm rooting for storylines at this point. I want him to have the unbelievable season uh, that he's already kind of set himself up to have with the WBC situation, uh, and I think he ends it with an MVP and a Cy Young. I think that'd be super cool. But then again, I feel like the voters, if he is going to win, like undoubtedly the MVP, I think they'll strive away. They'll kind of you know they'll they'll turn away from him winning the 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 Cy Young just because it's not as um, you know, it's not as flattering or I mean, it's flattering, but it's not as, you know, it's not as tantalizing for everybody else uh, to give him both the Cy Young and the MVP. Um, so if it's not that, then I'll go Dylan Cease. I think Cease is going to be very good for the White Sox. And I think uh, I think if they win the division, he's going to be a primary reason for that uh, because he was not far away from winning it last year. So I think I'll go Cease there. Uh, but if not him, I think Otani. I think Otani has a good shot at uh, at winning the Cy Young this year. So. We'll see. It's baseball season, ladies and gentlemen. Rookie of the year, not even a guess, because that's a crapshoot every single year. No idea who's going to win rookie of the year. I don't think anybody knows who's going to win rookie of the year, year in, year out. No idea. Not even to make a guess. Not even to try to guess that. Crapshoot. But that's my predictions for the MLB season. I'm excited to get it started. It's probably all going to be wrong, because that's usually how it goes. But that's okay. That's the point of making predictions. You know, you're just throwing it into the hat. We'll see what happens. Uh, and yeah. I think that's going to wrap up the show, ladies and gentlemen. It was, a, it was a little baseball special. We talked a little Lamar Jackson. I think that was a good show today. I want to appreciate you very much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you hit the rate. Uh, you give us a five-star rating. Make sure you follow the show. All those podcasting platforms, you can listen to those anywhere you want to. Uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, wherever you want to listen to us, Stitcher, wherever you want to listen to this podcast, you can listen to it anywhere. And make sure to give uh, loving, uh, love and appreciation to Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. We would not be able to do it without them. Thank you very much for their sponsorship. Thank you for uh, providing what we need to keep the show going here uh, up at Shared Media and the Weekend Sports Rep Podcast. So thank you to them very much to them. Give them a good old high five if you see them in the streets. Uh, I appreciate them, and uh, you should appreciate them as well. So thank you very much for tuning in, though, nonetheless. Uh, I have been your host, James Timberlake, and this has been the Weekend Sports Rap Podcast.